Welcome to the Booktopia podcast. I am Sarah McDooling, the Kids and YA Category Manager at Booktopia, and I am absolutely delighted today to be talking to Jessica Sanders. Hi, Jessica. Hello. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, Now, Jess, you are the author of the wildly popular Love Your Body, which came out last year. Um, and it's odd to think of us only having this book for a year or in a bit because it's just become a such a staple bestseller. Um, it feels like it's been around for longer. <laughs> that was May last year, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> May last year, yeah, pretty wild. Yeah, a bit of, yeah over a year now, obviously. But um, yeah, it's I think for me probably because it was a long time coming. When I was a couple of years in the creation, really. So that's probably why it feels like it's been around forever. But it's been very um, heartwarming to see Australia really engaging with it and 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 all the lovely feedback and stuff. It's been awesome. Oh, it's a beautiful book. And you also, I believe, also last year, was it before the end of the year that Me Time came out? Yeah, it was in November. Yeah. Um so, yeah, pretty quick turnaround to get that one out. But it just sort of fed on the self-care um, ideas and concept that was introduced in Love Your Body um, in a much more comprehensive way in its own sort of self-care guide with the premise being um, the self-care guide to being your own best friend. So it was about, you know, talking to yourself kindly, your self-care, taking care of your body, your self-care, um, letting yourself rest, you know, all those kind of things, just self-care ideas that um, aren't necessarily tied to spending money but are very good for your mind and body. Yeah. And so with those two books sort of not that long out in the world, you now have come here today to talk to, or not come, um, <laughs> joined us by the internet today to uh, talk to us about your upcoming book, which is called Be Your Own Man, which I haven't actually seen yet, but um, I love the sound of it and I have seen a few, a few pages. Um, can you tell us a bit about Be Your Own Man? For sure, yeah, so excited about this book, um, for it to come out into the world. So, yeah, so probably um, I imagine maybe in Booktopia you got this question, but I get this question all the time, is when will you be writing a kind of love your body version for boys? <laughs> um, yeah. and it's like the most common question, the most common DM I get I've got quite frequently. Um, and I said, look, something's coming, like don't worry. And so it, it is that follow-on from the love your body. Um, but because I, I've studied uh, gender at a postgrad level and it kind of it does um, gender is a lens that I apply to all my work so I've really taken a male perspective and taken my time doing research and going into primary schools to figure out what it is that is holding boys back from achieving their full potential and that is the question that I asked when I wrote Love Your Body and so that's the question that I asked when I wrote Be Your Own Man and it's pretty clearly uh, a very narrow definition of what it means to be a boy is really limiting uh, young boys and men from being themselves um, but also from being able to express their emotions and like just ask for help uh, generally we know that's a huge issue amongst boys and men so it was kind of countering those two things with also a focus on self-love and self-care like love your body and the same diversity of representation so all kinds of bodies and abilities um, cultural backgrounds and uh, personalities are really captured in this book and I'm like uh, I've, I've got a different illustrator this time um, Robbie Catherine and he did such an amazing job of making each character very like personable and unique um sorry which is yeah what love your is all about as well so it's yeah it's kind of that natural next step but it, it is a, a new book in its own right as well that I can't wait to see a finished copy in real life what I have seen of the illustrations are absolutely stunning 
Um, do you, could you tell us a little bit about how the work that you do, like, because you, you work in, you're a social worker or you work in social work? Yeah, I am. Um, I'm a social worker in both the advocacy space, but also I've been working in direct practice and I do a lot of uh, in-school workshops around like mental health, self-care, body image and gender. Um, and so I guess I spend a lot of time talking to young people about identity when I go in and I'm just like, you know, what does it mean to be you? And what and particularly a focus on like emotions, how do you process them? What do you do when you're feeling down? What do you do when you're feeling happy? That kind of stuff. And um, the most common theme I noticed in young boys is that when it comes to self-care, they're quite bad at it only because they don't feel that they have the space to do it. And, and I say that when I say that, what I mean is like, instead of going, you know, when you're feeling sad, what do you do? You maybe talk to someone or you write it down or you listen to some sad music and you work through it. Um, what they do is distract themselves. Like almost all of them will be like, go do something else, um, just ignore it until it goes away. Um, I did one exercise where I asked the kids to write down, um, draw a picture of a man, draw a picture of a woman, and then write words all around the, the drawing that they associated with a man and a woman. And a lot of the boys wrote pushes down feelings next to men. So, like, oh. yeah. That was at ages 10 to 12. So they'd already internalised the idea that, like, our feelings are to be either ignored until they go away or pushed down. And we all know what happens when we don't let our emotions out, when we don't process them in healthy ways, um, and when we don't share with other people. It's a huge disadvantage for their emotional well-being and their mental health. Um, and so I really wanted to counter that by providing all kinds of ways that they could process and release those emotions. But I actually created a visual representation with Robbie about what happens when you push down feelings. Um, and it's this idea of that they grow heavier and bigger. And like, it's my favorite illustration in the book, but it's a big kind of ball of all these colored feelings, but it's gotten heavier and it's casting a shadow on a young boy and he's kind of carrying it around and that feeling that weighs you down. And then it shows when he does the self-care things and the emotional intelligence things of talking or sharing or drawing, how they release and he becomes lighter and more free to be who he is, um, which is that theme that I think I love in all my work is just being free to be you. So that was a very important part, that emotional resilience, like the the practical work that comes in through my social work to be able to provide them those tools. Because I think it's one thing to be like, just be yourself and, and don't worry or whatever when they're facing very real challenges that they're already kind of experiencing day to day at such a young age. So I wanted to make sure they had the tools there and the permission to work through those things and and visual representations of how to navigate it as well was really important. So, yeah, that's kind of, I guess, how the social work comes into it. It's not just uh, a beautiful book that that celebrates diversity. It also provides some tactical, practical kind of tools and it also has discussion questions at the end that parents can have with their children around gender because I know that it's sometimes a tricky topic for parents to know how to talk about because they haven't maybe even worked out their own relationship to gender or they're, they're grappling with their own gender stereotypes. And it's sort of once you dig into gender, there's just so much there. So it's a good introductory kind of conversation starter. And um, the early feedback has been really beautiful. Like a lot of young boys, um, one one parent, some sort of, um, what am I trying to say, some advanced copies went out. And sorry, I'm like been talking all week. I'm like, my word. <laughs> <laughs> um, some advanced copies went out and 
um, the the feedback has been that it really gave the boys permission to be vulnerable and um, parents have actually learned things about their children that they didn't know before, like feelings that they experienced, like insecurities about like one child was had insecurities about his freckles and she like never knew. And um, one woman said, I've never felt that close to my child, like just through that facilitated conversation and just had the best experience with him. I'm like, oh, that's just the best feedback I could ever get. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so, I was like, I'm going to cry. No, um, but I think <laughs> what the prompts do is create that safe space for openness and vulnerability um, where parents can share, but children can share, they can share with each other and connect over all the content. So yeah, so far it's been such lovely feedback, which is why I'm so excited for everyone to get it when it comes out like next week. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. That's phenomenal feedback. Like hearing that your book helped um, parents become closer to have never felt that close to their child like that must have been amazing to hear it was it was one of the first pieces of feedback I got and I was just I was blown away because you know you have high hopes for the book but you never know when you put it out there a lot of the times when you write books particularly like books that have a mission or a message you're planting a bunch of seeds that you don't necessarily get to see grow um, but that's a lovely thing about social media is people just drop in and like tell me these things and I and I get to hear um, you know this what kind of sprouted from that seed and um, yeah I think that was just so so lovely to hear um, yeah you can't you can't hope for more really and you know we're not yeah. we're all gonna <laughs> have that result but I think I think if um if it can open up conversations and if it can get boys familiar with what it means to be vulnerable and then have that um affirmed I guess like someone holding space for that vulnerability someone validating and realize the power that when you share something that is um weighing you down how it then feels afterwards when you shared it feels great you're like oh cool like now that I've shared it someone else we can solve that problem or I feel lighter now and you know just the beauty of making that connection between like I think girls are really good at this right we talk with our girlfriends we we talk 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 we get the feelings out and then we feel free like I think at the end of the day, the best way to release feelings is talking about it or writing it down. And when I've done those workshops, a lot of girls have said, yeah, I like write down my feelings or I just go tell my friend, but I, do, I just don't hear boys saying the same thing. And it's, it, it is such a disadvantage for them. And it's such a resilience tool to be able to just talk about your feelings. Um, so if I hope, yeah, if there's sort of one thing I hope they'll take away from it, it's that yeah, the power of talking and sharing with other people and just being vulnerable um, and that power and softness for how it's going to make us feel in the long run. Um, yeah. Sorry. That's so beautiful. And it's so, you know, I remember um, I guess I hadn't really thought much about the ways in which, like, the patriarchy disadvantages young, like, young boys until I read um, uh Boys will be boys. Um, have you have you read that book by Clementine Ford? Yeah, absolutely. And I remember just really feeling quite taken aback. Like this was a few years ago, but like since then, um, looking for looking for books that can help attack things from that side. You know, like attack might be the wrong word. Approach. <laughs> Let's go with approach um, where it's, you know, where it's because obviously it's so important to empower young girls. 
but it's also equally important to empower young boys or to or to just you know like what do you what <laughs> I'm really struggling to put my thoughts into words it must be because it's a Monday <laughs> <laughs> don't worry I'm there with you I'm like what what <laughs> I feel it but I think what you're getting at is something that I think if I if I can presume what you're getting oh, at which please, is yes <laughs> great uh which is something I think a lot about which is we're really good with at, at this we've sort of had a bit of a pivot and we're really good at like encouraging girls to be strong and there's lots of amazing books out there for children uh, for young girls about empowerment and being strong and brave and all these things which are actually masculine qualities so we're celebrating the masculine within feminine and it's absolutely true girls can be all those things and they should be all those things but it feels like we're valuing masculine above all else when we do that and so what I've tried to do in this book is return to the value and the softness because we both or any gender has feminine and masculine within them and the soft parts of ourselves that we might class as feminine are integral to our well-being and health and actually really integral to our success as a community like you know things like empathy and vulnerability these are all like really transformative powerful traits um, that we don't celebrate in the same way because they've been seen by the patriarchy as negative and then put onto young women and so we've tried to move away from it but that has also disadvantaged boys because from a very early age they're told to cut out and like sever in a very severe way the feminine parts of themselves like the worst thing a boy can be called is a girl so what does that tell them about girls and what does that then inform their belief about the behavior that we associate with girls do you know what I mean it's a bit of a yes <laughs> you perfectly articulated what I was trying very clumsily to get at which is this idea that um if you are encouraging young girls to be brave and be strong and stand up and those have been traditionally male qualities, why has it taken us so much longer to recognise the strength in the more traditional female qualities that um, we should be encouraging boys to do in the same way? Like, um, it's, it's, and I'm just glad that we've got books like yours coming out that just seem to be really, really tapping into that. And um, I think it's yeah yeah definitely yeah when it comes to sort of like leaning into the power of the softness and vulnerability I, I see it more and more coming into the kind of zeitgeist and I think and that's sort of that next part of I guess feminism or equality kind of getting there is coming back and remembering that there are so many um amazing things about femininity um and then the step beyond that is that we're or maybe at the same time, I hope, is that we are really made up of feminine and masculine ourselves. Yes. Um, and I, for example, like when we have conversations about toxic masculinity, they're often reserved, I guess, for men talking to other men about it, women talking to other women about it. But in reality, we're all affected by toxic masculinity, even internally. So, for example, when I was growing up as a female, I was quite, I think I've always been very um, observing of, social structures and just social I'm just very interested in social science I guess and I observed that you know yes it was okay to cry as a girl and to express your emotions but that was looked down on like that wasn't a good thing so my internalized misogyny was don't cry push down your feelings because whilst socially I was allowed to it wasn't a, a nice like it wasn't a good thing it wasn't a valuable thing it showed like I observed that it was a sign of weakness 
um, when in actuality it's just an emotional resilience skill that's very important and um, that often vulnerability is the hardest thing to do. So it's by no means a sign of weakness. But I think we've all internalised that. And I so that kind of work is a part of women and men and kind of all genders to unlearn that idea. Um, and I hope that's kind of the prompt that the book does as well. Like I'm sort of trying to reframe and rebrand these soft qualities and show their inherent value to boys. I think that's kind of what we have to do to get them to adopt those things. Um, yeah, because <laughs> because being um, emotionally strong is just as important as being physically strong. And it would be great if society valued them in the same way. Yeah, ultimately it's going to be the dictator of our success in life as well. Like emotional intelligence is a greater predictor of um, like career success or life success than academic intelligence. It's it's kind of like if you don't have your mental health, you have nothing. Um, yeah. Because just it is even an indicator of physical health in a big way. Like we all know the impacts of stress on our body, um, you know, is, is very real or, the, yeah, the impacts of – mental illness on and our physical self it, it it all comes back to mental health and I think like we're not given the skills or tools as young people to really take care of that part of ourselves and that's why I really mm-hmm. wanted to integrate it into the book because a lot of us are now realizing the benefits of self-care and meditation and all this stuff later in life and it's been like a real godsend but I'm like what if we've been practicing those skills oh. since we were- <laughs> yeah <laughs> we'd be so resilient um yeah so I hope that like that's kind of a gift I want to give young people as well and that's I do a lot of self-care workshops and stuff in schools and recently I've been doing them online and I just say to them like you guys are already practicing this now you've got your own self-care plans and strategies like you're going to be absolute pros by the time that you leave here and you know go into the adult world um isn't that a beautiful thought yeah um can we go back in time a little while before Love Your Body came out? Mm. Did you always, were you inspired to become a writer through your work or had you always wanted to be a writer or how did you come to make the step to um, get Love Your Body out into the world? Um, so I haven't always wanted to be a writer. I actually, um, for most of my uh, adolescents wanted to be a photographer so I studied photography at uni and um, I was very into visual art at school um, so that was kind of where my attention and focus was going and then kind of when I finished that um, I have a real sense of social justice and an interest in that and so after a bit of traveling it kind of led me down the social work path and it was in I guess social work but also studying gender that I um I guess I became fueled by the injustices of the world in particular around gender. Um, And the reason I started writing was because I looked around me at all these young girls and I was like, why is it that you are destined almost inevitably to have a very poor body image and sense of worth because we ascribe worth to girls, how they look. Um, I'm like, why are you destined for that? And why have I had to spend so much time unlearning my own negative body image, my own, um, you know, negative self-talk in my 20s, which I did. I've spent a lot of time doing that work. Um, and I've had been privileged, I guess, to be able to have the time and resources to do that work. 
And I'm like, why do you have to go through it alone? Like, well, nothing's really changed very much. It feels like it's getting worse. And I'm like, knowing what I know, how it's worked for me and what I what's you know, tools like a body functionality approach, for example, which is like um, looking at your body for what it does for you or, you know, self-care, challenging negative self-talk, like all these things that I now knew worked. I'm like, well, I want to I want to give that gift to you guys so that you potentially don't have to go through what I went through. Um, so that's kind of why I write is because I, I, did, I did some um, – real like a workshop self-workshop kind of the other day around my why and it is ultimately to prevent unnecessary suffering so there is going to be suffering in this world but a lot of it is unnecessary we have the information like we have the tools we know it works but we just don't distribute it and get those ideas out there and and everyone have access to them so I think that's what books offer is this kind of opportunity to get a message some valuable learning out there particularly to the younger generations because then we could potentially prevent and that's what I love about children's literature in that space is preventing um and the other thing when it came to be your own man was that I lost a male friend of mine when I was he just turned 18 so we were 18 uh to suicide and it just it just really did feel like that was unnecessary like that didn't necessarily have to happen like I remember in my high school I didn't even know if we had a school counsellor for example never received any education around mental health and I'm only 27 so that wasn't that long ago um so it's kind of for me it is about knowing how hard young people have it particularly now and trying to offer what I have learned as a way to prevent them from struggling or potentially losing their own life um so that's why I like writing <laughs> and the, <laughs> the reason that I came to it, I guess, as a medium, because one could argue there's different ways to get that message out there, is because my mum's actually a writer and has written a million kids' readers but also has her own um, collection of children's books that uh, she self-publishes, which are all about empowerment and um, uh, emotional intelligence, all those kind of things. So it also I was like, oh, you guys make books. Um, so can you show me how and I'll make a Kickstarter and I'll I'll do it too because I had access to it I guess it's the privilege of sort of growing up around something you're like well you know you can you can't be what you can't see but I could see that my parents made that possible that they could do it so I thought I could do it too um so yeah Love Your Body became a Kickstarter originally so I didn't have a publisher I was just going to do it myself um uh, at the time I thought I'm a bit of a control freak freak <laughs> when it comes to <laughs> Wow. Oh, my tongue. Words are so hard. Um, <laughs> You're doing much better than me. <laughs> I was listening back to this. It's like, this is this is COVID. You get it. <laughs> uh, this is what it does to us. This is what Melbourne lockdown is doing to me. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So I, I'm a control freak when it comes to create, like, visual stuff as well with my books. And so I was like, I want to employee, the illustrator, the designer, I want to make it myself because I have a very distinct vision for what this will look like. Um, and I really, you know, I think visually as well as obviously like given, I guess, my interest growing up, I'm like, I can see the messages in the pictures as well as the messages I wanted, like those two work really um, in sync. 
they're really important. They're just as important as each other. So having that ability to work directly with the illustrator and um, brief her was really important. So Carol Rossetti was my um, my first illustrator for Love You Body. And, yeah, I kind of just went from there and became a Kickstarter. And I didn't really know what I was doing, but it um, got funded, and which was amazing, just like a very grassroots level kind of uh, campaign because I didn't put any money into marketing, <laughs> put it all into the <laughs> To employing an illustrator and designer and um and then my wonderful publishers um publisher five mile came along and was like this is awesome we want to we want to publish it pretty much exactly how it is and I was like fantastic <laughs> cool like I didn't have to distribute this from my bedroom <laughs> um yeah so that was that was very exciting um and then they were like a very cool journey to publication yeah it was a bit of a windy journey but it kind of what I like about it particularly when I like telling other people about it is that's kind of like, I don't know if you have an idea and if you believe in it enough, you will force it out there into the universe. Like, I feel like I really, I really pushed this from just this silly idea that no one had ever, I was just like, I'm going to write a book. And everyone's like, what? Just, you've never mentioned a desire to do that. Um, <laughs> and also you're studying full time and working like in a bar. Like, when are you going to do that? And I was like, no, this is my job. I'm taking it very seriously. It will happen. Um, and I feel like I almost just like ma- forcefully manifested it into existence because I just believed so, so firmly in I- an idea. And um, that the internet's such an amazing place because you can you can crowdfund these things and you can find people that also believe um, in the importance of your idea or your mission. So, yeah, it was a bit of a wild journey, but um, it's – it's nice to not have to do the Kickstarter again. It's very tiring. <laughs> so how, how different was um, the experience of putting together Be Your Own Man versus, um, oh, and, and Me Time as well, uh, versus Love Your, Own, Love Your Body? Um, it was a little bit different in that, like, I didn't work, like, directly, obviously, with the illustrator, but I was through my editor and publisher um, passing on that knowledge and, and going the back and forth. So that was probably the only really distinct difference. Um, I did have it written into my contract that I still wanted a lot of creative input, so probably more than your average children's book author because, as I mentioned, those the visuals are so important to the message and, and they work together for me. So I really wanted to have um, – sway in that and also in the just in the design and the cover I wanted it to sit quite nicely with love your body and um from a branding perspective I guess so it was it was a little bit harder because I guess love your body came from a very clear kind of an epiphany idea that was just very distinct from the beginning whereas with be your own man I guess I had to then dive into that exploratory phase whilst having a publisher and having a contract for it whereas love your body you were kind of doing that independently and you didn't have any expectations or anyone asking you what the manuscript <laughs> was <laughs> whatever um so with this one it was like where is it Jess I'm like it's coming I'm a real professional <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so, particularly when yeah it comes stuff like that so that was it was a little bit challenging to get out of um just get more into the space of like into my why I guess like why am I doing this and and really take away any external pressure to get back to the heart of what I wanted to achieve with the book and um when I eventually did get to a good place and took some time out to really concentrate on why I was doing it what I wanted to achieve it didn't take very long at all for it to to sort of come out it came out very naturally so yeah with Be Your Man. Me Time was completely different because it's 128 pages (laughs) it's like (laughs) It was a lot of work. I went a bit loopy on that one. I was just like, oh, my God, why did I choose to do this in, like, what was essentially three months? Um, so that was that was nuts. Uh, yeah, so very, 
different experiences all around, I think. But um, just, yeah, just as enjoyable but in different ways. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always so interested um, in the process of how authors and illustrators work together because I feel like it's different. Like it's always a different uh, relationship every time, every book. And with this one, I just wondered with your with Robbie Cather, who illustrated the Young Man, was there any interpretation or um, illustration that he came up with that sort of surprised you, or was you know different from something you had envisioned um, that you know worked, or just anything interesting about um, yeah. having someone else take your idea and, and turn it into a visual thing? Yeah, well, it's always um as the control freak, very nerve wracking, like to be like, <laughs> oh my God, what's it going to be? Because like, you just, uh, I don't know. I, I put so much on it. I ride so much. And it just, it's, it's a very scary process of like opening that file and being like, am I going to love it? But I always loved it. Um, I should have never been nervous because Robbie's very talented. Um, and yeah, he just, he took things to a level that I hadn't imagined on a, on a couple of instances but my favorite one is the one I kind of described earlier which is the emotions kind of page and I remember when I briefed him on it it was pretty ridiculous I was thinking like will this sit with the other illustrations which are quite um accurate depictions of life like you know in a schoolyard or in the um uh you know at a pool or whatever that they're in normal places but this one about emotions I wanted it almost like a transparent kind of person where you could see I talk about emotions being stored in one place um and that they sort of the emotions are um felt in our body that's why they're called feelings and so I wanted to visually represent the feelings the emotions um which was quite tricky so I was like um like lots of colors and it's like flowing out of his body and then there's like and then it's like weighing him down and and I was like when I was briefing it, I had a very like extravagant idea. I'm like, I'm just going to put it out there and we'll see how this works. Like if he can <laughs> pull this and he like, he just did. Yeah. My, the most favorite illustration of the book for me was, was that one where it's the big ball of emotions and it's kind of weighing down the boy. And it's like such a powerful image to refer to, but also for boys to be able to relate to. And there was this discussion question at the end, which is, um, you know, what do you think that young boy is feeling? And that's often an opportunity for a boy to tell a parent how they're feeling by projecting onto the boy. Um, so, like, I really love that they could be able to do that and get to the root of, yeah, these heavy feelings that often weigh down boys that they, they don't share, that aren't maybe um, out there with the parents. So, yeah, that, that was my favourite. And he just the most excellent job. And we did a live the other day and talked about it. And he's like, oh, that was the best brief that you can give an illustrator. It's like this kind of crazy concept, particularly for him. He um, he really embraced it. So it was awesome. Oh, that's, I can't wait to see this book. I'm absolutely just dying to get my hands on a copy. Um, yeah. We're running a little bit short of time, but are you able to, you may not be able to say anything, but are you able to tell us a little bit about what's up next for you? Um, are you working on another book at the moment? Um, I'm about to begin working on a journal actually for me time. So a bit of an accompaniment. Um, I think during this time, I guess I've been thinking about how everyone's doing, um, with such an emotionally taxing period. Um, and I've been doing a lot of my own kind of journaling and things. And I think it's just like, as I said, just writing things down is a really powerful way to release emotions and work through things. Um, but I also thought that this is a really great time for self-reflection um, and self-awareness building when we have a bit of brain space. And so it's going to be a centre, I think, a, 
quite around the idea of building self-awareness through through journal prompts as well as maybe some self-care kind of challenges or prompts or things like that. I'm, I kind of um, have designated next month to give it a lot more creative brain space while I, while I do that. And then after that, I haven't got anything penciled in. I've kind of um, I mean, hustling the last two years. And so I'm just, I'm going to take a breather. <laughs> um, and I have like, I always have a couple of projects like swimming around in my head, but I think until they're kind of um, confirmed because I changed as well. I always sort of change my mind. I have I, my process is to sort of put a lot of things on paper and then it sort of condenses down to the one best thing. So we'll see future, but I definitely more children's books are on the horizon. I just... I just love them as a medium. It's um, they're so fun to write and so beautiful to get the the feedback and and can be so impactful. So I feel very um honoured to be able to write them. <laughs> wow, I'm very glad to hear that you'll be working on some more, and I'm super excited for being your own man. Yeah, um, can't wait for you. To be happy. <laughs> uh, Jessica, thank you so much for coming and talking to us today. It's been such a pleasure. I feel like I am not a very coherent person today and you've just wowed me with your eloquence. Um, (laughs) How many words did I muck I don't remember. (laughs) No, you were amazing. Thank you so much. And and podcast listeners, you can pre-order your copy of Be Your Own Man or pick up a copy of one of Jessica's other books, at booktopia.com.au Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or, if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast, and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore, at booktopia.com.au.